We finished up our little series, our small series, our five-week series on the book of Jonah last week, and we're talking for, taking a break for a couple weeks to talk about our identity in Christ, how we grow in Christ, and sharing the life of Christ with others. And then we have two weeks that we're going to focus on preparing for the advent of, of Christ, so preparing for the advent season, two weeks about Christmas, and then in the New Year's, we're going to be starting a series on the, the book of Revelation, otherwise known as the Revelation of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be starting in January but for today, I want everybody to get a branch, okay? So if you have a branch, I want you to let me know if you've gotten them all yet, because I can't quite see. Um, if you could just hold the branch up real quick. Do you have a branch? Everybody have a branch? All right, if you don't have a branch, okay, now put your hands down. If you don't have a branch, put your hand up so the ushers can know to bring you a branch. We need a couple branches up here, branch there, excellent, some in the back as well. And I think there are enough branches for everybody. What I want the branches to do is to help be a reminder for you. You see, we need to be reminded of who we are as Christians and what our identity is. Well, who our identity is found in, who we are, is of extreme importance because our identity is what we live out of, right? Our, who we think we are is what we live out of. What we think we are, whose we think we are, is, is it defines how we think of ourselves, it defines what we do and how we do it. Our, our, our identity shapes our thoughts, it shapes our actions. But so often we don't think about what our true identity is and we let other people or things or circumstances define our identity. And I, I want us to have these little branches because I'm going to explain to you in just a minute what these branches are for is to remind you of your true identity. Everything as a Christian, is meant to flow from who you are. Even the very name, think about it, Christian, Christ-like ones, ones who are made in the image of Christ, who've been remade into the image of Christ, who are Christ-like ones. That is supposed to shape who we are. As disciples of Jesus, we are Christians, we are followers, and we're going to find out in just a second, we are branches. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. And we're going to find out about our identity, who we are in Christ, because it is of utmost importance. Knowing who you are is of utmost importance. So turn to John 15. And something we do from time to time is, is we stand for the reading of God's Word to acknowledge that this is His holy inspired Word. So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. These are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown to the fire, and burned." If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, 
and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need the life that you supply. Father, we need you to give us life in Christ. We need you to empower us. We need your Holy Spirit to understand. We need your Holy Spirit to remind us of who we are in you. We need you this morning, if anyone here is to benefit from this. God, I need you. I need your Spirit to empower me and enable me. Lord, each and every one of us needs your Spirit to enable us to hear your words to us, to refresh us, to revive us, to show us who we are in you. So God, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit now. Would you give us the gift of your spirit? Would you visit your spirit on us in a special way this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want you to look down at the branch you were given for just a moment, and I want you to inspect it for a second, and hopefully it has some leaves on it. I think it has some green leaves on, that, on each of those branches that you've gotten. And uh, I want you to, if anybody knows where the branch is, go ahead and shout it out. What's the branch that you have in your hand? Anybody know what kind of branch it is? Honey, who said honeysuckle? The tree guy said honeysuckle. Did anybody else know it was honeysuckle before he said that? No. <laughs> Excellent. You did. Excellent. Good job. It's a honeysuckle branch, and it comes from the honeysuckle vine. Now, if I told you it was a grapevine or a jasmine vine and you've never seen honeysuckle before or grapes or jasmine, you might believe me, but I would be wrong and you'd be wrong to believe me because a honeysuckle vine, a honeysuckle branch can, can only be a honeysuckle branch. It can't be something else. Even if you believed it to be something different, it wouldn't change what it fundamentally is. And how do I know that? Well, well, I know that because I went beside my house and there was a honeysuckle flower, those, those pretty little flowers, yellow and white, beside the house. And, and I had the kids, I cut off a few and I had the kids cut off the rest and, and it came right off the honeysuckle vine. So every one in your hand, it, it's coming from the same vine. They're all different branches. There's like 250 different branches we cut off, and, but they're all coming from the same vine. And I know that because I, I, I know what vine I cut it off of. And, and you can't change what a honeysuckle branch is by calling it something different. It doesn't produce watermelon. That would be really weird if you walked up to a honeysuckle plant and the vine was sprouting watermelons all over the place. Beyond that, we couldn't support it. The vine produced the branch. The branch did not produce the vine. The vine is defining what the branch is. Life came into the little branch you have in your hand and created those green leaves. Hopefully, at least every piece has at least one leaf left on it. You know, we're passing them around. Sometimes leaves fall off. And I waited till the kids weren't in here so that we didn't have leaves stripped and thrown all over the floor. But, uh, so, but every branch has life in it or had life in it. It has some remnant of life in it because it came from the vine. And I think it's important for us to think about for a moment what we are. Jesus says we are branches. 
That's what Jesus says that we are. And as branches, we're defined by the vine we're connected to. That's, that's the first major truth I want to focus on from these, this little passage here. We're not going to touch on everything this week because I'm going to make this a two-part. This week we'll, we'll focus on a portion, and next week we'll focus on the second portion of what does it mean to grow as a branch. But this week I want to look at what does it mean to be a branch? Because as branches, we're meant to be defined, and we are defined, whether we like it or not, we're defined by the vine that we're connected to. And all throughout the different, uh, the New Testament, we see different metaphors of who we are as Christians. We're, we're called in various places a body or a temple. We're called his people, a holy place, a, a, a people for God's own possessions, God's family, the bride of Christ. And, and, and as that, there, it has some meaning. It, it, it means something. Each of those different metaphors means something. It's meant to translate to us. It's meant to define who we are. And in this patch is now, Jesus has made a lot of statements about who we are. And now he's saying, we are branches. We're branches. If you've placed your trust, your faith, in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and so you've been made one with God, if you've been reconciled with God, and then now you have been made one with Christ, you are now in Christ, you are a branch. And it means something. Your fundamental identity has been changed. You've been taken out of the branch you once were a part of, and you've been grafted in. I think I have a picture of that for, I think up there, I believe the pictures came through. Did the pictures come through? Excellent. So this is the first picture here, is a picture of a rootstock, and then there's a little cut there with a graft union, and there's a scion where it's been grafted in. I think I have one more picture as well for you. And, and you can see where on this, this, I think that's a tree actually, but an apple tree, uh, this, this branch was grafted in. They cut this little V. They cut a notch. They stick it on. They wrap it tightly. And, and we're meant to think of ourselves that way. We have been engrafted into Jesus Christ. We are now a part of the vine. We, we've been made one with him, and we, we're in union with him. We're, we're tied up. Our very identity is wrapped up in who Jesus is. Do you think of yourself that way? If you place your faith in Jesus, that's who you are. Do you think of yourself that way? Being a Christian means something. Being engrafted, being a branch means something. It, it means you've been adopted by God. You've been made one with Jesus Christ. It means that you no longer have your old identity. Now you've taken on the new identity of the vine. You're no longer enslaved to sin. Now as a child of God, you can actually bear fruit for God. Being a branch means something. It means you're beloved by God Almighty. No one can take you out of his hand. He, as the master vine dresser, and I love the imagery here, he's taken you, and it'd be silly for us to think of ourselves as branches as removing ourselves from an old thorn bush, walking ourselves over to a grapevine, cutting ourselves into this graft and putting ourselves, it would be ludicrous to, to think of that. And I, I, don't, I don't think anybody here has ever observed that, right? You... You've never observed thorns cutting themselves off, going over to a grapevine and grafting themselves in. It doesn't happen. And I think Jesus uses this analogy to reassure us, to give us confidence, and actually to, to shape who we are, to inform who we are. 
Other places in, in, in Romans, Paul tells us that we've been grafted in. And he uses the same kind of vine analogy. We've been grafted in. God has taken us out of darkness and he's brought us into union with Christ. He's, he's united us with him in a unique way. He's done this work. It's not something you could do. You couldn't graft yourself into Jesus. But God, the Father, the, the vine dresser, he's cut you out and he's grafted you into Christ. And so now if you are in Christ, you are a branch, you are in union with the vine. Let that sink in. Let that define you. Let, let it encourage you. It's meant to encourage you. It's meant to define everything about who you are and how you think of yourself, how you think of the world around you. The branch didn't create itself. It sprouts from the vine because the vine just put it there. If you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, he's, he's put you there. He's grafted you in and he's tightly bound you to the vine. Isn't that a beautiful analogy? I love that old song, tightly bound me to him. That's what God has done. He's tightly bound us as branches into his new vine And he's made us a part of Jesus. And think about that. His life is coursing through us now. His life is what is pushing out growth in our lives. His life is what feeds us. There's the the shell around the the branch. There's different terminology for it. But it it gets all all the nutrients it needs are supplied from the branch. And it's the branch... It's everything from the vine because now the branch is part of the vine. I want us to be defined as a church, not by what we do. Because Jesus doesn't define us by what we do. We're not defined by what we do for Jesus. We're not defined by how impressive we are. We're not defined by our jobs. You're not defined by your title, by your role. You're not defined by how much influence you have. You're not defined by how successful you've been or how unsuccessful you are. You're not defined by your weaknesses. You're not defined by your illness, by your sickness. You're not defined by your inability. You're not defined by your ability either. See, this this truth is meant to be a humbling truth for us that we are defined as branches. Why? Because he defines us as part of the vine and it's meant to change everything about us. What people think about you doesn't define you. Because, you know, if it does, then you have to do things to have people think about you. If what we do defines us, then we have to do more and more and more. And and this truth is meant to affect us so that we see, you know, wait a minute. Life is not about what I have or what I can do. It's about who I'm in as a Christian. Jesus defines us. He's made us his branches. We're meant to live in that truth. We're meant to rest in that truth. We're meant to dwell in that truth, to depend on it. It's meant to be a a freeing the truth that that changes how we think about ourselves and and our purpose and what we're here for. Does it, though? That's the question. Does the truth that you are a branch that's part of a vine, does it change how you think about your purpose? If you think of yourself that way, it'll blow your mind thinking, wait a minute, I'm part of Jesus? And so my... My identity is defined by his identity. It's defined by the vine itself. We're here to be a part of the vine, to grow and bear fruit for the vine dresser, and to be a disciple is to abide in Christ. 
You can't be a disciple if you don't abide in Christ, but if you do abide in Christ, if you are a disciple, then you are abiding in him. You are part of the vine. Now, Jesus, he says in verse 1, he says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. The Father is the one who puts us there, and he's the true vine. Now, why does he say he's the true vine? He says he's the true vine because in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, God refers to Israel as his vine. He's the vine dresser, and that's a, that's a very common analogy. The Israelites would have understood this analogy as Jesus was sharing this with his disciples who were all Jewish. They would have understood the analogy he was sharing with them, and they would have gotten, okay, um, he's talking about a vine and branches, and, and God says that Israel is the true vine. But the problem is, all throughout the Old Testament, time after time, from Ezekiel to Isaiah and Hosea and Psalms, the vine didn't fulfill the purpose that it was intended to. The vine never produced fruit for God. And so God says in in Psalms 80 that he's going to remove the vine and replace it with the one he has chosen. And so now Jesus, he shares these words with his disciples in his last night with them. And he says, I am the true vine. I'm the fulfillment of Israel. I'm the fulfillment of everything that God intended his people to be. I'm the fulfillment of. And by the way, you're in me. And so, the way that you can be the fulfillment of what God intends his people to be is through me. As you're found in me, you'll fulfill the purpose that God's called you to. As you're found in me, that's how you carry out God's will. It's, it's not, you, you don't do God's will and so become the vine. You are part of the true vine, Jesus. And so, because of that, you can do the Father's will. You can bear fruit. He said in verse 2, every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. In John 14, Jesus had already shared with his disciples who they were. And he says, I will ask the Father, he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Why did he say that? Because he knew that he was the vine and they are the branches and they get life from him. He says, in that day you'll know that I'm in my Father and you in me and I in you. The vine bears fruit through the branches you know, left to itself, I'm told at least, I don't have any grape vines. I'd love one day to, to have some on my property, but left to itself, a grapevine produces a lot of leaves, and it gets really bushy, but very little fruit. And leaves have to be pruned back for maximum effectiveness so that the energy goes back to the fruit. And there's twice a year, at least in Palestine, that the vine would be pruned, and it was always pruned by a vine dresser who cared about the vines. If a vine dresser didn't care about the vines, he wouldn't do pruning, but he, because he cares about the vines, he prunes his vines, and he would prune them around January, December, January time frame, cut all the dead stuff out, and then again in the spring after it had sprouted, uh, the vine dresser will cut some of the, the growth that is, is not, or saplings that kind of sprout out so that he can channel it into more fruitfulness. If you are a branch, it means something. It means you're a part of the vine. And it also means that the Father cares about you enough to prune you. 
Because he wants you to be fruitful. And he wants you to be fruitful for maximum effectiveness. The father gets rid of dead wood. He, he clears out branches. He, he, he makes sure that your growth is happening in the, in the good direction that's going to produce maximum effectiveness and maximum fruitfulness. It's not ill will that the Father intends for you. And if you're a Christian, if you place your faith in God, you might from time to time be affected and wonder, hey God, why are things so difficult? Why does this hurt? Why is there pain? Why are circumstances difficult on me? Why are, the, are these things being stripped away? You ever feel that way? You ever something stripped away in your life? You ever have things you love, you depend upon, that you, you look to for satisfaction and joy? You ever have those things kind of taken away from you? Well, the Father does that because He loves us because we're branches and we're meant to produce fruit. And that's meant to reassure us. It's meant to give us confidence, give us hope that God is not just abusing us. He's not taking things away. He never abuses. He, he trims. He prunes. And that, that word for pruning, by the way, is it's trims clean. It's the, the original language is, is this cleaning off of the branches. It cleans off the stuff that's not helpful, not productive. Why? Because you're a branch and you're meant to produce fruit. You're part of the vine. And because the Father loves you. Now, Jesus, as he shares this analogy of pruning, he, he wants to make sure that there's no ambiguity here. And he tells his disciples, hey, he's, he's trimming you clean, and, and the Father trims you clean. He prunes us at times. He takes away things. He removes things. There is pain sometimes that comes into the life of every believer. But in the midst of that, you need to know that you are a branch, and you are already clean if you're a branch. And so he tells us that in verse 3. He says, you're already clean. He says, you know, I'm trimming you clean in the original language. And he says, now you are clean, truly clean, because of the words I've already spoken to you. If you've heard the words of Jesus, if you've been made alive in him, he's spoken his life-giving word. That's, that's actually Jesus' name in, in the Gospel of John is, is the Logos, the Word of God. He is the life-giving word. And because of the words he's spoken, he's spoken life into you, and you have already been made clean. You've already been cleaned off And he's put you into himself and made you a part of the vine. And so because you are a branch in the vine, it's meant to reassure you that your very identity is wrapped up in that. All the things that might happen in your life, you can be sure that they are the pruning of the Father, difficult things, they're pruning of the Father because he loves you and you are already clean. Being a branch is meant to give you certainty, meant to give you hope, meant to give you confidence. There's something else that I think Jesus wants us to see. Not only have we been made clean once and for all, even though we require trimming sometimes to clean off things, but we've been made clean once and for all. Now, as we, we get our life from the vine. As branches, we get our life from the vine. That's the second major truth we're going to look at is that we get our, as branches, we get our life from the vine. Jesus mentions the word abide or abiding in him 10 times in 10 verses. That's, that's a whole lot, by the way. Whenever you're reading in, in a New Testament passage or actually anywhere in the Bible and it mentions something over and over and over again, it's because it's, it's meant to emphasize that thing. And so now we have 10 times abiding is mentioned. And so what's the big, what's the big point of this? Oh, it's living in Jesus, abiding in him dwelling in him, remaining in him, receiving life in him. 
What does he want us to see? He says, if you're my disciples, because you are branches, you get your life, your very life, you live in me. You abide in me. The branch has no life in itself. All the branches that I gave you, you can look at the branch you have in your hand, there's something that's going to happen to that branch. You know what it is? What's going to happen to that branch? You can shout it out. It's going to die. Why is it going to die? Because it's been cut off from the vine. It can't produce life on its own. When a branch is cut off from the vine, separated from the vine, it doesn't produce life. And eventually, and it says this in the passage we have here, Jesus says this, eventually anything that's cut off from the vine, if it's separated from the vine, if it's not really a part of the vine, it's going to wither and it's going to show eventually because it's not connected to the true vine. And so I want you to keep that branch for the next week if you can, if you can do that, to remind yourself of, hey, you're a branch and you're not meant to be cut off. You're not meant to be separate from God. You're not meant to be separate from Jesus. You're meant to be connected to him at the very core of who you are because that's where we get life. It's not a duty. I don't think the branches, if they could talk, they would like being cut off. They would say, yeah, let's stay here because that's where we get life. That's how we live, is be being connected to Jesus. We can't produce fruit on our own. The, the living branch comes from the vine. The life of the vine is in the branch. And growth comes as this pulsating life of the vine. It flows into the branch, and only that kind of growth produces fruit. Now think about that, that picture. There's a close and continual contact there's a seamless contact of a branch in a vine. Before I cut them all off, you could not have seen any division. It was just a seamless stem from the vine all the way out to the branches. And like that, he says, that's, that's who you are. That's how you get life. You, you, you're meant to be tied to me. You're meant to be bound to me. Receive your lifeblood from me. Be in constant connection with me. Now, those things aren't a duty, by the way. Now, and next week we're going to talk about growing, but even the growth that we have or commitment to staying and abiding in Him, that command to abide in Him is something He's already done. Now, He says, live in the good of that. He's, he's made us abide in Him. He's engrafted us. He's united us with Christ so that no one can take us from the Father's hand. And so now He says, live in that. Live in that good. The question is, do you live in that good? Do you live in that constant dependence, that, that reliance? Do you regularly drink of his life? Or are you depriving yourself of that spiritual fruitfulness by not relying on that connection you have with him? You know, it's not possible to fake it. It's not possible pr- to produce fake fruit for God. It's going to be evident eventually. But real fruit is going to come as you abide, as you receive life from Jesus as his life forces out fruit through your branches. There are oak trees around our house where we live that um, in in the wintertime, they don't lose all their leaves and the leaves stay on all winter long. And in the springtime, all of a sudden you find dead leaves all over the ground. And and it's, it's the only specific kind of oak tree in the area that does that. But why those 
dead leaves stay on there. There's nothing to push them off. They're still connected. But in the springtime, this life pushes out through the branch and it forces the dead leaves off. The the leaves don't do that on their own. The, The leaves don't sprout. The new leaves don't sprout on their own. Life doesn't come on its own. It's because the life is being pushed out. The fruit is being pushed out from the trunk, from the tree, from the vine. And he talks about how we remain in him. He says we remain in him by keeping his commandments, by keeping close to how he says that we need to abide in him. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He doesn't say a little bit. He doesn't say something, but not that great. He doesn't say, you know, apart from me, you're going to do some things, but they're it's not really, he says, no, apart from you, you can do nothing of value, nothing of value unless you're connected to me. You know, Jesus has already made a bunch of I am statements in the book of John. John is famous for that. He says, I am the bread of life. He, he makes declarations about who he is. Now he says something, I am the vine, and it's meant to affect us. What that meant to, 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 to get across to us is the fact that he is the giver of life. He's the one who produces life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the one who supports us. He's the one who sustains us. He is where we receive our lifeblood, if you will. The normal state of discipleship as he's talking to his disciples is fruitfulness. And every one of us is expected to and can expect to produce fruit. Why? Because he is the vine that we're a part of. And the life of Jesus produces fruit what Jesus does. If there's any fruit in your life at all, it's because Jesus has caused that fruit to be pushed out through your life because of his lifeblood in you. I love that we we took communion today because it's a restatement of the fact that we rely on the life that Jesus gives. We depend on the life that Jesus gives. When he says, I am the vine, he says it multiple times, I am the true vine, I am the vine. What does he want us to see? That's where we get our life. But the problem is often we don't look to him for our life. Now you can think if you read through these verses and you read the things about commandments that somehow we produce the fruit in us, but that would be absurd, just as absurd as it would be to say that a branch cut cut off from the vine produces its own grapes. It can't happen. The grapes are produced because the life of the vine is flowing through that. And so this commandment to obey his commandments is really a commandment to abide in him, to so let his commandments live in us, affect us, inform us, change our thinking so that we are as close to him as possible. And through that... He's going to cause us to bear fruit. It's not about performance. It's about fulfilling the purpose we were created for and glorifying the vine dresser. You know, if you saw a vineyard and that vineyard was productive, you would know that somebody tended that vineyard. You would know there was a vine dresser who was actively working and cultivating and fertilizing and and pruning and trimming and supporting those branches. And like a productive vineyard glorifies the vintner as a demonstration of his skill, his skill, his care, his love, his wisdom. Bearing, bearing fruit depends on contact with the vine, not on our talents. You see, even the commandments here are, are not about us. They're about depending upon him to produce in us what only he can do. 
The apostles couldn't do anything apart from Jesus, and neither can we. But we can bear much fruit as we're abiding in Jesus. The fruit that we have, it's, it's obedience, it's love, it's, it's joy. The fruit we have is, is sharing the good news about Jesus with other people. And it's when Jesus tells in verse 6, if anyone does not abide me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown to fire and burns. That's not a threat. It's saying that if, if someone's not bearing fruit, it's going to become evident. And, and someone's not bearing fruit, that, those branches are going to be cut off gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In Ezekiel 15, God tells us when the the vine fails to produce fruit, its wood was good for nothing but fire. And so it's, it's cut off, it's cast off. It's meant to challenge us to think, okay, am I bearing fruit? If I'm not bearing fruit, let me get connected to the vine. Let me ask him to engraft me into Christ. Let me be found in Christ, not having a righteousness that's my own, but having a righteousness that comes from him. And for now, let me be found in him, as, as the Apostle Paul says. And for now, I want you to see that the third major idea is that as branches, we receive the joy of Jesus through abiding in him. We, see, we receive the joy of Jesus through abiding in him. Not not only are we branches and that we receive life through him, but we receive joy of Jesus through abiding in him. You know, I think Aaron and Philip both mentioned, and we all know that last week was Thanksgiving, and that I hope we all got to enjoy the holiday and enjoy the good foods and and all kinds of traditions and, and give thanks to God for his abundant provision and give thanks for all that he's provided. And it's good. It's a good thing. It's, it's good to eat. It's good to drink. It's good to be merry in what God has provided. It's good to enjoy all the variety of foods that God's made and acknowledge all we have comes from Him. But so often, Thanksgiving can become about something else too, right? It can become about a lot of expectations. It can become something that we invest all this hope into. And then we can say, you know what? Um, I'm really looking forward to Thanksgiving. So, and we, we invest all this pressure into the holiday. At least sometimes I do. Maybe, maybe nobody else here does. Um, but you know, we can invest all this pressure into Thanksgiving to make it the most memorable, meaningful time. And you know what? It never really, I mean, it never is, meets those expectations. And we can we say, oh, that was a great time. It was enjoyable. But you know what? Maybe there was a conversation we didn't have that we wanted to have. Or maybe there's a conversation we had that we wish we hadn't had. Maybe we said some things that we regretted. Maybe we talked about politics or other taboo subjects and and there were some offenses that happened and so there was not this fulfilling time in Thanksgiving. Or maybe it was awkward because your family doesn't really accept you or maybe it was awkward because you don't really love your family as much as you would like to. And so sometimes it can be dashed or unmet expectations. It's a good thing to enjoy the family that God's provided. It's good to enjoy food. But we're never meant to place our hopes, our joy, on on our experience of things here. We're we're never meant to place our hopes in a great Thanksgiving or a wonderful Christmas time that's going to come. We're never meant to put our hopes in our family. We're never meant to put our hopes in in food and what we have. We're never meant to put our hopes in relationships or jobs or status or position or whatever it might be. We're meant to find satisfaction and fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment or joy in Jesus. Because as branches, that's where we get joy. 
And that's why Jesus tells us this. He's not telling these things to his disciples because he says, you know, hey, you should be a branch, and if you're not abiding in me, then that's no good and you should be condemned. Well, that's not what he's doing here. He tells us the very purpose why he's telling us these things, that we're branches that abide in the vine, and that we need to remain in him, abide in him. And we're going to see next week how we remain and how we abide in him, the, the practical side of those things. But look in verse 8, he says, by this my father is glorified. Oh, so he's getting at this. So this main purpose that we have, our very purpose as humans is to bring glory to God. And he says, by this, by abiding in me, the Father is glorified. That's how we carry out the purposes that God has for us. That's how I find fulfillment in the purpose that he's called us to is by abiding in him, the Father is glorified. And he's glorified as we bear fruit. And I got to think that a grapevine likes bearing grapes. It's what it was made to do. That's what we were made to do. We were made to bear fruit. And so when Jesus talks about abiding, it's not to condemn us. It's not to make us feel guilty because we've not been closely united with him. It's to say, hey, this is how you can fulfill the greatest purpose you have to glorify God by bearing fruit for him, by abiding in me. That's how you do that. Like a productive vineyard glorifies the vine dresser who works the vines. And how does it do that? By just staying attached, letting the vine dresser do his work, letting the vine push out life through the branches. Now, I want you to think about when this took place. If you don't know the book of John very well, this is the, the, the teachings that Jesus is giving right before he's about to die. This is the night before Jesus was betrayed and then killed. Jesus has just had the Last Supper. I think it's really appropriate. We didn't plan it that way, but I was like, oh man, that's great timing because this is right after we took communion this morning. Jesus is sharing these words right after communion. He's giving some teaching to his disciples because he wants to let his disciples know that he's not going to be with them anymore, but he will be with them. He's going to leave them in body, but they're not separated from him. They're still united to him. They can still abide in him. And I don't know if it was a direct analogy, but Jesus says he's passed around the cup of, of wine, of grape juice. He passes the wine around. They all drink of it. And then he says, I'm the vine. I'm the source of life. And that source will never end. I'm the source of life, and you're the branches, and you receive life from me. And he, and he tells us these things to reassure them. He tells his disciples these things to reassure them that even though he's about to go away, he'll always be with them as they abide in him by the Holy Spirit. And so he gives some promises here. He says, as the Father has loved me. And notice in verse 8, he makes a shift. He's been using the vine analogy the whole time. And then you realize that the vine analogy is not sufficient to explain the love that Jesus has, that he wants to communicate to his disciples. And so he says, hey, hang on. As the Father has loved me, I, I need to give you a different analogy. As the Father has loved me, as I and the Father are one so close united, and he's loved me before the foundations of the, of the earth, as he's loved me because we are one, I want you to know that as the Father's loved me, that is how I love you. And then he says, abide in my love. Abide in my love. Live in that. Drink it in. Remain in that. I, I, 
think if you really get that, if you think, if you, if you think about yourself as abiding in the love of Jesus, just like Jesus abides in the Father's love, that's going to change how you think not only about yourself, but the role you have in the world. If, if you are aware that you abide in the love of Jesus, just like, if you, you are so close united with Jesus, just like Jesus is united with the Father, he's received the love of the Father, so we receive Jesus' love and through Jesus the love of the Father. If you understand that you live in his love, that you abide in his love, that's going to give you a confidence in approaching all the difficulties you have in life and in, in, in approaching all your weaknesses, all of your failures. Because why? Because you know that Jesus loves you and he will not withhold any good thing from you. He won't hold, withhold any supply from you because why? Because you're abiding in his love just like he's abiding in the Father's love. And then I love, skip down to verse 11 there. You, not only do you never need to wonder if Christ loves you, if you're a branch, abide in that love. Not only do you not need to wonder if he loves you and and rest in that, live in that love. Go down to verse 11. He's spoken all these things about abiding and living in his love for one reason. Look in verse 11. He says, these things about abiding in me, about being a branch, about receiving life from me, about, about you having the same love the same kind of love the Father has for me, this, this undying, eternal, never failing, never forsaking, never separate love that Jesus has with the Father is the same kind of love that we receive from Jesus. He says, I, I, I told you all these things for one reason. He says, these things I've spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you are lacking joy, you know, often holidays can be a real joyless time, or at least post-holidays can be joyless. You know, after everything's gone and everyone's gone home and you live with regrets, Jesus says, no, I want you to know who you are. You're not defined by that. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know where your life comes from. I want you to know that you abide in my love just like I abide in the Father's love. And I want you to know all these things for one overarching reason so that you can have true and lasting joy. So that your joy won't be temporal. Your joy won't just be, you know, you have a little bit of joy now and it's going to go away. No, I want you to have joy that's full or complete or perfect. I want you to have full and complete joy. And how do we have full and complete joy? What Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm telling you these things. By the way, if you lack joy, I'm telling you these things because that's where your joy comes from, abiding in me, receiving from me, having life in me, staying in my love. That's how you receive joy. You know, up to this time, the word for joy was only used once in the whole Gospel of John. Now, in the upper room, in his upper room discourse, his, the word for joy, it's used, it's used seven times. Why is that? Because it's, it's the whole purpose of abiding in Jesus is for our joy, for our, to find our fulfillment, our fullness of joy in him. Jesus doesn't call us to abide and show our love through obedience to rob us of joy. No, on the contrary. He wants us to have joy that is not lacking in any way. And all of this is that we might find fullness of joy. 
You know, human joy doesn't last, but his joy lasts forever. It is truly full, truly complete. You know, the things of the world rob us of joy. I, I, was, I was thinking two weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, not this week, but the week prior, and just saying, you know, man, I just realized I woke up early, I woke up like at four in the morning one morning, and and I was just tired, but I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I started reading the news, and I read like an hour worth of news, way too much news for any one person should read in one sitting. And I read like an hour of news, and I looked at social media, and they did something else. And then I found that I was just like, at the end of it all. I, I filled myself up with a lot of things that really don't bring joy and satisfaction. And I think part of it was because I was looking for something. I was looking for some, something to inspire me or give me life or something to give me encouragement or hope, um, and I didn't find that in the news, and I didn't find that in the social media, although there's some good things. It's nice to see family and friends on social media. There's some good things there, but if we're looking for satisfaction or joy or fulfillment in the things of the world, it's going to leave us feeling really empty and dull and lifeless. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to realize joy is not found in the world around you. Joy is not found in things. It's not found in in living in something else. If your identity is, is, is in what you do, you will not have full joy. If your identity is in what people think about you or what you look like, there, there's no joy there. Because eventually we're all gonna look pretty much the same, like a bunch of old wrinkled people, okay? And that's all right. There's beauty there. But you're not going to find joy in, in our looks. Looks fade. You're not going to find joy in, in, okay, I'll put all my joy in health. Well, when health fails, there's, there's not joy. Or when family fails, or when relationships fail, or when money fails. If you're abiding in the things of the world, they'll rob you of joy. Looking for fulfillment in social media or news or whatever those things might be, that you're looking for fulfillment or happiness or satisfaction or looking for something to comfort or bring joy or fulfillment or peace, you're not going to find that. If, on the other hand, you are living in the good of the fact that you are a branch, you're Jesus' branch, and that your life comes from Him, and that He loves you with the same kind of love the Father has, There is true and lasting joy. Not passing, fading happiness, but true and lasting joy. What we abide in is what we get nourishment from. I think that it's meant to challenge us. What are we feeding on? What are we we looking to? What What are we living in? Where are our thoughts? Let's let's have our thoughts turn towards Jesus to living in Him, receiving from Him, getting life from Him. You know, branches are not self-centered. They're not independent. There's no source of life. Relying on Jesus continually, submitting to him willingly, allows us to receive the life-giving nourishment of him in our lives. It's kind of what Paul's talking about when he says, you know, just set aside every weight that so easily entangles and snares us. Let's run with endurance the race he set before us by, by abiding in him. Abiding in Jesus gives us strength and joy to carry out the mission he's called us to. He's the source. He's the sustainer of life. Depending on him, communing with him through the Spirit, submitting our will to his in all things is how we abide in him. Church, are you abiding in him? Are you staying there? 
Not, not out of duty, but because that's where we get life. That's how we're sustained. Keep our focus on Him. Find our identity, our strength in Him. Allow Jesus' words to remain. Submitting to Jesus, seeing us as our identity is, is being completely in Him, receiving life from Him is the road to liberation, to freedom, to joy. Abiding in Him brings the ultimate joy of Jesus welling up in our hearts. You know, in the Old Testament, it talked about how the fruit of the vine it was meant to gladden the heart of man. And, and ultimately, Jesus is the true vine who gladdens our hearts. Do you get that? Church, are you living in that joy? He has joy for you and I. That's the whole intent of telling all these things to us. Joy in knowing who you are. You're a part of him. You've been grafted in. Joy in receiving life from him. Joy in living in his love. And as, as we remind ourselves of these things, as we dwell on these things, we say, hey, I don't want to be a part. And, and I want you to look down the branch again. Hey, I don't, I don't want to be cut off. I don't want to be a part. I want to be, I want to be united with him in every way. And so every day I want to say, hey, Jesus, I want to live in the good of being a branch. In my interactions with other people, I want to live in the good of being a branch. I want to receive from you, and I want to give of you. Lord, I want to, I want to live in the identity that I have as a branch and not be affected by what people think about me. I want to live as a branch and let that affect what I do and how I do it. Lord, because I want to, get your, I want to receive your joy of abiding in your love, having my purpose and fulfillment in you. Amen? Well, let's pray and have the band go ahead and come up, and we'll sing a song in closing. Father, I pray that you would encourage each and every branch here, each and every person who has been made a branch, been engrafted into you. Lord, I want to, want, want to ask that you would encourage each and every person here who is a branch, that they are engrafted into you and no one can remove them, that you have done that work. Lord, I want everyone here to receive the joy of knowing who we are in you. So Lord, would you do that? Would you fill us with your life? Would you fill us with your love? Lord, would you give us of yourself? And God, I pray that you would make yourself known to us, that we would know who we are in you. We would relish that, that we would stay there, we would abide in that, we would rest in that. There are, our very identity as disciples of Jesus would be as branches. And Lord, would you give us joy in that? Freedom. Lord, for those who do not know you, have not placed their faith and their trust in you, God, I, I pray that you would create a longing to be a branch, that you would give a desire to repent, that you would make them new, that you would engraft them into yourself. God, I pray that you would give each and every person here who's not confessed their sins and believed on you the ability to do that right now. Lord, I pray that you would make more branches for your glory so that you might bear fruit through them. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.